the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader right at the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. My name's Mark Isles, and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that doesn't need someone to hide a mobile phone for it to contain rude noises. Just listen to this filth. Mark Patterson, and he's off and away. A good cross wanted now in the middle, and there goes. It's a goal, yes! What a goal, that man, Andy Walker! Well, literally 20 seconds dropped. What more could you ask for? And on the buff this week, daps the way, aha, uh-huh, aha. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, Affalion's gone. What do we make of it? Chit chat. The transfer rumour mill is in full swing or grind, whatever it is. We gossip our backsides off. And fancy a slice? Aki stand between Wanderers and Wembley in the pizza trophy. We'll discuss what are their chances. But first, we've got a flash sale, apparently. Now, I don't really know what that constitutes, and I didn't really want to ask either. But what I do know is that for £2, you can get two months of unlimited articles from the Bolton News. To read absolutely everything for the rest of the January window, you will need to subscribe. And you also get a free app. You get fewer ads when you log on on your laptop. You get reader offers, you get discounts, you get puzzles. Most importantly, you get an access to a year's worth of features that I've already done on Wanderers. Loads of stuff that is timeless and you can sit back and read at your leisure. Plus, everything we do from here on in for the next two months, you could read absolutely everything we turn out. And there's loads of really interesting stuff to come. Support local journalism. Keep this podcast going too. Go to theboltonews.co.uk backslash subscribe. And now it's time to introduce a man who said he didn't want to meet King Charles at Bolton Town Hall this week because he didn't know how to bow properly. It's Henry Hewitt. I'll be honest with you, I need, I need to read stuff other than the back pages of the Bolton News because I didn't actually know that King Charles was in Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I don't think I'll be there, to be truthful. Uh, number one, haven't had an invite. Number two, um, I don't know how to bow properly either. It turns out I was looking into it this morning. Um, yeah, he's going to be at the town hall for to celebrate the, is it 150th anniversary? I've met him, yes. really. I've met him before. Um, oh. I, I went round uh, a place in Salford with him when he was just Prince Charles. I knew him before he was famous. Uh, <laughs> I, at a skills event in Salford, when I was a young pup of a reporter, and I rode on a Segway at the same time, when Segways were first out. So there we go. Ah, very good. Well, I mean, do you think that, like, and, and we'll, don't worry, we'll talk about Bolton Wanderers in a minute, but do you reckon, um, like, Prince Charles then doing something like that, do you think he actually cares? Or do you think he goes, oh, right, where am I today? Salford, okay, skills events. Oh, hello, this is great. Oh, Mark, nice to meet you. And then he goes, I, I want to get home and put my feet up. Well, I, I think I, I've always had an affinity with uh, with Prince Charles on that respect because his attitude to uh, visits that he has to do, many of, goes around the country, has to have enthusiasm, has to get get 
it's exactly like me. Every single week, you turn up at a different press box. Yeah, it's another match report. And all I want to do is go home, put my feet up, and have a cup of tea. So, uh, yes, totally with King Charles. Should we, should we move on to football? Huh? Because anybody would have thought it's a really newsy week. Yeah, um, I can't think of much that has happened, can you? I mean, first of all, that game we had last Saturday seems like a lifetime ago. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. Uh, we'll start with the game. We'll start with the game because we'll move on to Dapo. By the way, I've been I've been up since 5... If I'm rambling, it's because I've been up since 5am because of all this Dapo offline stuff. But we'll go on to Dapo in a second. Saturday, Pompey, 3-0. As comprehensive a victory as you could possibly have wished for. A few weeks ago, we were looking at this run as being, oh, you know, we'll, we'll be lucky to be in the playoff contention at all. Now... They're sailing, aren't they? They're absolutely sailing. And they absolutely blitzed Pompey on Saturday. Yeah. Um, BWFC stats on Twitter informed me that it's the first time in my lifetime that Bolton have uh, beaten the same team in, in consecutive games or within the same week or something. So oh, really? uh, that was nice to see. Because normally you get in those ty- those occasions, you know, where you play a team in the cup and then the league, one will win one and what the other will win the other. Mm. Um, and yeah, I've, I've got to say, well, Pompey had a few chances in the first half, didn't they? But they never really threatened. And after we went one 0 up, it, it was yeah, it was it was pretty. Uh, we were pretty sure that Bolton were going to win. I've seen a few uh, reactions from Pompey fans, and they were livid. They were very upset about the performance. One of their YouTubers said that for Owen Toll's goal, uh, each one of their defenders lost a man at least twice, which <laughs> made me laugh. Uh, but yeah, for Bolton point of view, it was nice because normally it's us in in recent years who's on that other side and and saying how rubbish our players are and there's no fight or anything. And it was nice to be on the the winning side of one of them for once. There's something warm and comforting about the fact that you don't expect them to concede goals now. And and this mm. this back three playing out of its skin, but I think the side in general is is defending well. Everybody is rightly admiring Owen Toll and the way that he's come in and, and adapted to English football. That goal was fantastic. He didn't know how to celebrate it very clearly, but it was a great, great finish. Um, and a big shout out to Will Ameson as well, who uh, is absolutely bo- bossing it at the minute. I would love, in fact, I will I will pick out some sort of clip from us about six or seven weeks ago where we were saying, yeah, Will Ameson's going. Um, he's just not He's just not to standard for me <laughs> because I'm sure we were talking about that a few weeks ago and he has absolutely shoved it straight down the throats because he's, uh, he's been fantastic. And if they can just get through this month, I think, the next few games, uh, particularly Derby on Saturday, with this clean sheet mentality, I think... It will have been a fantastic run of results. Yeah, it definitely would be, and I think the, the I think we're in a place at the moment. And you look at the Barnsley game as well, and, and I know a few people were disappointed with Plymouth that we didn't score, but yeah. you know I think to to be in a place at the moment where we're not only scoring goals but we're keeping it tight at the back is is excellent. And um, you know he he just says a lot about those three defenders, especially Amerson, that they're keeping Santos out of the team. He's our captain. Mm-hmm. And you would expect that he would come back in straight away and he hasn't been able to. Yeah, exactly. We had that conversation, didn't we, when Jones and, and uh, Santos returned to training. It looked as if there was going to be a big decision and, and Ian Everett kept with 
the three that he'd named and, and kept with faith with Toll and, and Ameson alongside Johnston. Johnston as well deserves a bigger mention because he's mm. been the most improved player, I think, this season. He's been absolutely outstanding. My player of the year so far, I think. Um, yeah. But I think it, this whole style change, it started all the way back in the summer. It has gradually gained momentum. I think you can see now this high pressing and how it can benefit against certain types of teams. They are going to find it. They're going to find it different when they come up against your Accrington's and Burton's and Cheltenham's forest greens, that kind of stuff. They're going to have a different type of game there, but I think against this sort of opposition, this is why those tweaks were made. I think at the start to be able to compete better in these type of games, the, the ones hopefully again against Derby on Saturday, um, that the better teams that are going to have more energy in midfield and, and dominate. And I think that last season, Bolton were bullied more, mm. you know, too too many times. And it wasn't just the direct football. Sometimes it was just the better teams, the Sheffield Wednesdays and, and uh, Ipswiches and that kind of thing. They no, not Ipswich. I, I retract Ipswich just remembering that they absolutely hammered them on their own pitch. Um, but you, you get what I mean. Wigan, for example, that would have been a good example. Rotherham. Um, you, there is a, there is a almost like a recipe to get out of League One, and I think one one of the main ingredients is the ability to press high and and have that sort of energy in your team. Yeah, and you you know you just have to look at Toll and uh, you know Johnston is that they're becoming they're becoming extra attackers because of the way we play. They're up and down, and they uh, you know for Toll to I mean who'd have thought it like. Who'd have thought it five years ago, let alone uh, like 25 years ago, that a, a centre-half will be coming on the end of an attack and <laughs> slotting it into the bottom corner. It was unheard of. And this is the way we play now. And it's, it's very good to watch. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, um, it, I, th- I think you're right. I think the, you know, the, the footballing department has, has looked at what happened last season and learned from it in a few ways. And this is why we, we're building and, should we not go up this year? And I, don't, I fully expect us to get in the playoffs, but should we not go up from there? Then you'd think that whatever we have this season that isn't quite working, they will learn from it again, and next year we will be better for it. So, again, we say it on this podcast, it's this, this whole Bolton Wanderers that are not only just looking at right now, we're not looking at this transfer window, we're not looking at this season, we're not looking at the next game, we're looking at the bigger picture a lot more, and, mm. and I think that will help us progress up the leagues again. Yeah, I I think there'll be a there'll be a conversation in, if Bolton were not to go up this season, I think there's a big conversation to be had about what happens next. There's there's a there's a lot of loose ends to be tied up in the summer, and I think that's probably one that is better had in the summer once everything's over and done with. But right here, right now, things are going well. Uh, I think we'll bring in the next facet of news on this week. And it's something that happened a matter of, well, two hours ago or so as we're recording this, uh, Dapwaffe Alliance move to St. Pauli in Germany has been confirmed. And um, we are told by our friends over in Germany that the, the fee is roughly 500,000 um, pounds. A subject of now, interestingly, I, I, I certainly heard there were a couple of bids, a couple of rejected bids. And this is, Probably this is from the German side of things. Uh, Bolton actually put out in their official stuff this morning that there were four rejected bids that got them to that total. So God only knows what their opening gambit was. Um, <laughs> so 
we we had, we had a good we had a good debate about this whilst it was all quite fresh last week. But now I think everybody's had time to think about it and digest it. And obviously, the fact it has happened uh, has come about. So, as a as a Bolton fan, what was your what is your immediate reaction to the fact that he's been sold? You know what I think for me. Um... I had one thought in my head and one thought in my heart. The one with my heart is I didn't want him to leave. You know, I, I we're all Dapo Afalain is a is a good, very good player. Um, you know, he was one of those players for us where he'd wind up the opposition, he'd get fouled a lot, he was very talented, he'd score goals. Um, you know, he had his his periods where he was quieter than others, but I think on the whole he was a, a very good signing for us. And you yeah, he's 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 like him, he's like Santos. You know, one or two others where you think um, I would love for them to have stayed with us as we rise up the leagues, and um, and you know when you think back to the team in the nineties that did it in the early nineties, he could have been like a John McGinley or an Andy Walker or whoever. But you know, it's it's when I think with my head, I think um, you know he's twenty five. Uh, he's not played consistently uh, at a higher level than League One before. You know, he obviously wants to progress his career and he may look at this season. If this offer had come in last season in January, he probably wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't have uh, gone. He, he, you know, he wouldn't have entertained it. But the fact that this season he hasn't played as much as um, he would have liked or hoped, he would have looked and thought, well, I was player of the season and uh, suddenly I'm on the bench for throughout September and October. Um, and yeah, for a club, you, the club are probably looking and going, well, this is the first of, of probably many that we'll see over the next few years, players that we bring in for very cheap and sell for a profit. And that's what they've done. So my head says, yeah, it's a good, you know, good deal, a good move, a good move for him. But my heart says, oh, I wish he would have stayed. It's, it's interesting you say about last summer because there was a lot of talk about... Uh, Rangers uh, there was a lot of talk about Cardiff and Fulham prior to that lots I mean there's always been speculation over Afolayan and that's largely I think because he's he's a player that catches the eye and I think that Bolton felt they had a, a and I was, certainly Bolton fans felt they had a big asset in there but I find it interesting that, that I, and I know this for a fact Bolton have not had a bid for him up until now and it is interesting that Maybe maybe it was a case of valuation. Maybe through the 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 kind of the, the circles of football, Bolton had a price on him last summer that was unrealistic, and and maybe now it's dropped because he's not quite as central to their plans. Maybe now it is, but it's it's also interesting that the only club that come forward for Depot was a second division German club, you know, mm. or, or at least that's the only one that that seems to have. A met the valuation and B met what what Dapo wanted. We obviously Ian Everett said last week there'd been other moves. I'm told there was also another club in the same division as Bolton, and I won't drop them in it, but same division as Bolton who offered to loan Dapo for the rest of the season. So, I mean, Christ, can you imagine the the stink that would have caused? So, yeah, I think that's that was a bit cheeky. That to be it probably was a bit cheeky. Probably was a bit cheeky, but I just wonder whether or not the um, uh, the the gloss that Bolton fans and myself put on Dapo is necessarily reciprocated elsewhere, and, and whether other clubs and other other fans see him as as much of a talent as we feel he can be. So, uh, I think 
you've got to weigh up in the bigger picture. Um, he has gone to play for a team that's 15th, just above the relegation zone in Germany. Uh, it isn't a massive amount of money, albeit it's enough to it's it's enough to make a difference. Um, and you've also got to factor in, and we did kind of hint at it last week because I was starting to think it myself, but I, I certainly feel it now, is that, that, that Dapoff Line had made his mind up. He was going. He was going. And had Bolton not done something in this window, he would have been down to the last 12 months of his contract by the summer. And we could very easily have been looking at another Bosman, another free transfer walking out the door a la, you know, Johan Almanda, million others that we can list off the, the deals that Bolton have had to scramble. I think, genuinely, I think at the moment, this Bolton had to do a deal to substantiate their own business model. But I, I think it would have been very interesting had, had the club not met the valuation to see whether or not they would have forced him out or whether they would have gambled but I don't know I, th I think the the fact that Afalayan has wanted this to uh, wanted to move on has been underplayed yeah um and to be honest it's as Bolton fans you expect that every player who plays for this club wants to stay here and wants to you know exactly. loves the club as, as much as we do and obviously that isn't the case but you know for Dapo you know, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it and go, well, where would Dapo Afalayan be if it wasn't for Bolton Wanderers? West Ham. Or, well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, he wouldn't be getting into their team. Um, or you can or you could look at it and go, well, Dapo, you know, and you've got to remember as well, it's, it's, a, it's a new country. It's a new start. You know, he may look at that and go, I want to live in Germany. I want to, you know, realistically at 25, is he going to play in the Premier League? Well, he's going to have to have a few great seasons in the Championship before anyone even looks at him. So maybe he looks and goes, well, actually, I can move to Germany, play for a team that has played in Bundesliga before. So if they're trying to build, they'll stay up this season and then push on next year. So he could be in the Bundesliga at 27. Or if he does well, he's got then a platform to move there. So he might be looking at that. But I think also, as I said before, you know, you've, he's obviously going to be upset that he's not been playing as much but from a Bolton point of view we've had our last three games where we've not had him and we've we've done very well we've we've took seven points from okay Portsmouth for 15th but they're still one of the big hitters in in the league yeah. and we've took we've took seven points from them we've not conceded any goals and all few fans were saying oh is that can that be linked the fact that Dapo isn't playing are we more settled more structured uh, but also, I think with Dapo, as great as he is, and and I still stand by, I would I would have loved him to stay, but he doesn't fit into our team. Mm. You know, he, I think he's done okay up front with Charles, and he was playing very well in November and December. But other than that, he doesn't fit into our team. So he is a luxury player, and can we afford luxury players at the moment? Probably not. No, I'd agree with that. I think the the team has triumphed over the individual in a, in a certain sense. And I think that's been the case all season. I think you look at Sadlier, for example, everybody would like to see Sadlier out there doing his stuff, but you sense that there is a little bit of mistrust on the manager's behalf that 
he will lose something defensively if he plays Sadlier from the starting games, i.e. he's using him as a closing player who comes on against tired defences. Uh, there are a couple of other examples. And I think Morley, for example, at the start of the season when he dropped out of the team, was maybe not fulfilling his defensive criteria as much as he should have been and it took him coming out and, and looking and seeing what he should have done and I think he's doing that now it looks like he's improved on that side of his game so there's the lesson really and, and Dapo never really got that chance and they tried him at nine they tried him at ten they tried him as a left wing back which was a, a nightmare and it's a shame because I, I do feel I do feel the lad's talented and I don't blame him for a second looking to move on and not to stagnate because it could very easily happen could very easily look at Bakioko, for example, this season. Last season, he scored 13 goals and he's, he's, he's playing as well as he has done in his, in his whole career. I think the future was looking quite bright at the last, at the last season for, for Bakioko. This season didn't catch fire, really. He was in and out, didn't really play that much. And now he's, he's playing at Forest Green. Uh, it's, it's a long story short you very quickly stagnate. And I'm, I'm sure that Dapoff Lion at 25 did not want to let that happen to him if he was out of the equation for the rest of the season. I think he's a good enough player to go and be a success in Germany. I would like to think, and I, I think I'm, I'm pretty positive in saying that Bolton have got uh, clauses built in his contract. So that if he is a real success, they do benefit down the line as well. So that's a good thing. Um, but I do feel they've made a decent business decision here, Bolton. I, I, I rarely find myself sticking up for them on the transfer front, but I think at the minute, this this fee feels right, and I think the the kind of the timing of it feels right as well. But I, I will miss him. I will miss him. I, I say this probably will be the last time I get a chance to say it, but he is the player I most enjoy watching. Yeah, no, I think when he's on his. Uh... When he's when he's on farm, yeah, he was he was brilliant to watch, and you know, I, yeah, he he may have thought really forced to move. He may have been he may have been arguments behind the scenes or whatever. But I think for a fan point of view, I think uh, yeah, he's he's someone who he got bums off seats. People were excited to watch mm. him, and uh, I think overall he's been a, a, a success at Bolton. And uh, you know, he, he was the start of this new sort of era that we've got of Bolton of taking players from the Premier League and, uh, you know, and being successful with us. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be fondly remembered, I think, by Bolton fans. I'm disappointed I never got to see him in a Wembley final. I think he would have been one of those players that would have been a difference maker in a, in a Wembley final, whether that be the playoff final, whether that be the Papa John's trophy, which could happen because Bolton, of course, have been drawn away at Accrington Stanley in the semi-finals of the Papa John's Who trophy. Who were they? Oh God no! Do you know what I've I've said it probably three times to uh, my wife uh, that there's a a game on is it the twenty second of February? So we yeah. have to I have to sync the calendars. That's that's one of the the routine tasks of the week to make sure that uh, that they know which press conferences I've got, which games I'm at, blah 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 blah. Um, so yes, every time I say the words Accrington Stanley, she insists on referring back to a milk advert from about 1988. It is <laughs> annoying, is what it is. But anyway, yes, Aki are going to be the opponents. I think. I mean, it sets it up for a fantastic final, doesn't it? I mean, with with Cheltenham playing away at Plymouth in the other semi in the other semi final. Were Bolton and Plymouth to get to Wembley, that would be a hell of a game. 
Yeah, I think that's what the EFL are after, uh, <laughs> yeah. because otherwise there'll be about six thousand there. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it will be. And I think you know, I don't want to look too far ahead. With Accrington away is a tough game. You know, I think I was in the in, um, the West Stand lower uh, on Saturday when the draw was draw came through. And uh, obviously it goes Accrington and Bolton. Everyone cheered, and then everyone's getting excited because we're not playing Plymouth. But then you you cheer initially, and then you go, actually, apart from this season, we've had a horrid record at Accrington, <laughs> so it's not as easy as that. But I think yeah, if we were to get to a final, assuming we'd play Plymouth, we've just play. You know, we've had a game where we should have beat them. Um, and uh, yeah, it is a it's a shame about Dapo, like you said, because we've said before, I think he would suit higher divisions and better pitches and better grounds and you don't get much better than Wembley but yeah we've got to get got to get there first and beat Accrington um I mean what do you when you saw the draw what did you think are you are you confident are you uh, are you more hopeful um because I mean we've had Bolton meltdowns before losing a semi-final on on Sky as well with half the stage and Bolton fans would be a pretty big meltdown yeah, uh, part of part of me would rather have it happen at uh, the Crown Ground rather than Wembley. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm quite happy with the draw. Obviously, you would have wanted anybody at home. I just wanted to avoid Plymouth really because that would have been a real anticlimax. But getting getting anybody at home at the moment presents its own problems with the state of the pitch. So Cheltenham probably would have been more favourable to me, uh, but never mind. I, I think Aki. There's not going to be any great tactical surprises there at Aki. You know, you could start training for that game now because they haven't changed in 10 years under John Coleman, the way they attack the game. It's extremely effective. They do a fantastic, uh, fantastic job. They have good players um, and he, he recruits the same sort time and time again. And, and God knows how he manages to do that. But he does keep on pulling uh, rabbits out of hats there uh, with very little money to spend. Um you know it's gonna. You, you also know that by hook or by crook, half that stadium is going to be Bolton. Doesn't matter really what the allocation is. There's mm. going to be lots of Bolton there, and that that in itself is a good thing. It will feel very much like a home game, even though I do feel Aki's fans are very loud. Uh, sometimes they overstep the mark. I will say that, but they are extremely loud. So it will be a good atmosphere. It will be a proper cup semi-final. I think it will be a where are you know were you there moment one way or another. £20 for the tickets, though, I understand it. What do you reckon to that? Mm, I think they're trying to cash in, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't blame them, I guess. But it's, uh, yeah, maybe ethically it's it's not great for a uh, a, a semi-final on Sky, but uh, especially in the Papa John's. But um, yeah, they're entitled to, to do what they want. I, I don't think, if it was a two-legged game, I don't think Bolton would, uh, would do that. But... Um, yeah, they it's a it's a payday for them, and you know maybe they're looking at you know obviously they'll be hopeful and confident they can win, even though I, I believe they've got loads of injuries at the moment and they they are struggling in the league. But they'll look and go, well, Bolton at home, are we gonna? What are the chances of us getting through? They're slimmer than what it uh, is for Bolton to get through. So maybe they think, well, we'll miss out on the the final money. We might as well make some out of this cut run. I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think Aki will probably be looking the same way because Bolton haven't changed the way they've played, certainly mm. for the last 12 months. Um, well, no, for, the, for this season, I would have said, because they have, they have made those tactical tweaks over the summer. 
But I think they'll know what they're getting into. Both sides can start training now. I think it'll be a really good event. I, I think I'm really looking forward to the game. I like the fact that it's on a Wednesday night. They're the only team that'll be playing. Every, all the eyes will be on them. So um, I'm going to make a bit of a song and dance over it. We might, um, we might well do something special in the paper. Who knows? Who knows? I'm probably talking myself into a job there. Quick, get out. Exit, exit, exit. Uh, let's go to some headlines. News. Yeah, well, uh, this is kind of a... After the big week that we've had with Bolton Wanderers, it's a... Um, you, know, you forget that there's been other headlines, but uh, the first one, and this is where this has been going on underneath all this news with Dapo and everything like that, is we were promised the signing at the start of the week and it's still not here. I mean, going off recent episodes, chances are they'll announce it 10 minutes after we've recorded. But, uh, but Mark, where is this transfer that we were promised? I'm really sorry. I apologise to everybody listening that I haven't had a chance to make this signing yet. Uh, it's, <laughs> it is funny. It's, uh, I, do you know what? I, it, it now amuses me. It used to really annoy me uh, back in back in the day. I've been doing this that long that I can actually I can predict how things go. Whenever a manager says a day or early in the week or sets any sort of time frame on a signing, you can bet a pound to a penny that it won't be hit. And then what happens is you'll get maybe a day or two's grace on it. And then all of a sudden it becomes, why did you say it was early in the week, for example? And, of course, all I did was write that Ian Everett said it was earlier in the week. Not me. I've never said it. I, I, I have no say in when the, story, when the story goes out, when it gets announced. Hmm. It's none of it's to, anything to do with me. All I do is write words. Um, but, but... Uh, Every day this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and today is Thursday, I have contacted the club. How are things going? Yeah, it's it's going on. It's 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 ticking along. We don't think it's going to be today, but we're hoping to get it done by Derby. So we have, as we sit here, the rest of Thursday, a press conference with Ian Everett, and he does like to be able to drop a signing in just before a press conference, believe you me, um, and then talk about it. So it's very likely, but... Don't tie me to that, guys. If it happens to be Friday, they've got until Friday, of course, to register before the Derby game. It's apparently, according to Ian Ever and not me, it is an exciting signing. So, and I think I, I have gathered enough crumbs and clues by now to to think that it's going to be a loan signing and to think that it's probably going to be from a, a pretty prestigious club uh, because with this much messing about, it will almost certainly be with a club that have got better things to do. Um, we have had a few names. I mean, have you have you seen any names that particularly catch your fancy, Henry, that you'd like to throw my way? Um, well, a few names that we've seen over the course of this week. And I'll be honest, I, you know, I've seen this on Twitter and I've not really seen um, where they've come from. They've all been rumours, but there was that lad from Man City, Borges, Borges. Yeah, Carlos Borges, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a uh, lad from United, uh, Satore, 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 yeah, Shola, whatever. Shota. Yeah, which I do apologise to those players if they are listening to try and get um, <laughs> research on Bolton Wanderers, but yeah, um, my knowledge on youth players at Premier League level isn't great, but um, I, those, is that the type of player that we, you think it's going to be? You kind of said last week it. You fancied it might be a, a, a loan from a Premier League team. Yeah, 
I think the weird thing is that with Dapo going out the door, in the last couple of weeks, Ian Everett has brought up the lack of dribbling ability in his squad. Now, Dapo could do that, you might well say. I think they need to replace it. And I think they need to replace the best of what Dapo brought to the team because it is something that they're going to need against deeper-lying opponents. When you get Burton sitting in with 11 men behind the ball, you need somebody who's going to be able to drive at them and get past a player. It's not just going to be a, a case of picking your way through. Now, mm. and Lundaloo, I'm told, is is part of that. He can carry the ball. He, he, I thought he looked quite good, actually, when he was uh, when he was on on uh, um, uh, Saturday against Portsmouth. But I think they're going to need somebody a little bit more direct, a bit more pace. Um, the the lad from United, uh, Shortire, Shortari, I, I don't know. I've not actually had any sort of schooling on how to say his name. I apologise. Shola, I'm going to call him from now on in. Um, I think he is certainly cut from that cloth. Is about f- five foot seven. He's uh, a little kind of jinking winger that can play across the front three. That that makes a lot of sense. The lad Borges, I don't think that will be the one, but I uh, I can I can see why these names are getting circulated. It certainly seems to be that's the kind of pool they're fishing from. But I think it'll be somebody who can carry the ball. Uh, I think it'll be somebody who can dribble, beat players one on one have that bit of exciting pace and energy about them. And I do think it'll be alone. I don't think it'll be alone with a view. I think it sounds like another James Trafford or another Connor Bradley where you're bringing in a player that the parent club wants to progress, um, which opens up another avenue of debate about having other players and, and relying on other players. I totally get that. It's certainly a debate we'll have uh, as and when it happens. Um, but... If they can make that difference and get Bolton over the line this season, whether it be in a cup competition or whether it be in the playoffs, I think I would much rather have that conversation in the summer as a championship club than sitting here and and worrying about it now, don't you? Yeah. um, I mean, we could say that by everything, every little decision we'd like to make in the summer as a championship club. But Mm. um, yeah, I think it's a good point what you make there about the uh, dribbling. Uh, you know that's something we didn't mention with Dapo, and that he does, he did very well for us. Uh, you know, and and I, I think we do need that. There's a few players that can do it, um, but yeah, we can get someone in. And I think this is the. I think sometimes it, where Bolton are at the moment, we've got to kind of eat humble pie and say, well, we are a League One club. So as great as it is, you know, I know Trafford's done very well, and Bradley. I know a few people who were listening to this would go, I don't mind signing loan players from Man City and Liverpool. However, Man United is something different. Uh, but, you know, you've got to be humble and go, well, are those players going to improve us? Probably yes. So, you've, um, you know, you take them on board. And if that's what we're missing, a player who can just get the ball and, and dribble and create something out of nothing, then, um, you know, I don't, I don't care where they come from. And, uh and you never know with it. If, it. if they do well, then maybe next year we could get them for another season. We've got another headline, Henry. Yes, uh, and Lundaloo. You kind of mentioned him there saying about, uh, you know, dribbling and stuff like that. Um, we might see more of that from now on because Bud Barson's injured again, unfortunately. Uh, so, it all signs are, are heading to Lundaloo starting on Saturday and getting more of a, 
more of a say. Um, you, what, how would you describe, for those who weren't at the match on Saturday, I didn't watch it, how would you describe his performance? Because he had his moments, then he had a head of it was well saved. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I thought he did okay. Yeah, big lad. He's, he's got more of a physical presence than I'd potentially given him credit for uh, when he was playing at Cheltenham. Definitely likes to receive the ball. He looked to get on the ball quite a lot around the penalty box. He wasn't scared of it one bit. His distribution looks okay as well. I thought he, he sort of obviously hasn't been with the club that long. So the kind of the patterns of play you could see was maybe kind of drifting around trying to find where he should be. But I think that will eventually come. Um, but I think once he got the ball, he didn't waste it. So I, I, I was quite impressed, actually. It was quite a good debut. I, I'm sure he wasn't necessarily uh, expecting to get as much time as he did because Bedvarsson went off after about 35-ish minutes. with a uh, He'd rolled his ankle. He, he went up for a header and then just landed awkwardly. And, um, we will get some confirmation from the club today because I think they've had to wait until the swelling went down around the ankle before they could properly scan it and have a look at it. I think we'll get an update today, so keep your eye out for that, obviously. I, I genuinely hope it won't be too long because the poor lad has had all sorts of bad luck in this season um, and he really really was coming into some good form, really was uh, an important kind of link-up part of part of that. Him and, him and Charles up front were looking good. So hopefully... And Lundelu can hit the ground running. The good thing is that we're not talking about a player who's been sat on a bench somewhere or been playing under 23s football. He's been playing week in, week out for Cheltenham on loan. He's fit. He's you know he's he's ready to roll. So it, it will be it will be a big ask of him to come straight in and, and to try and integrate as well as Bod Varson has done with Charles. But I wouldn't have too many reservations in in getting him out there. How about you? Yeah, I wouldn't either. I thought, um, you know, Bod Varson and, and Charles have linked up well together, that sort of uh, big man, small man kind of partnership. And on Lundaloo. Is about six foot, Dion. Is he, well, he looks about five foot eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but no, I think um, yeah, I think Lundaloo can, uh, can be a good player for us. I think he showed glimpses in uh, on Saturday and uh, good touches and. Um, you know, I think it was all right seeing him in that type of game where we have lots of play and it's very open. I think Saturday will be a different story, so we might need him to to kind of unlock the defense a little bit more. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. But yeah, it's uh, he's being thrown right into the deep end with Saturday's game. So we'll see how he reacts to that because with respect to Cheltenham, they've not been in a relegation battle. They've been quite comfy in his time there. Um, oh, it's not the end of the season anyway. So he's, the, these pressure games haven't quite been there for him. Um, right, moving on. Kieran Lee got a goal. Before you before you go on about Kieran Lee, I think it's important to note it. I've just had to type in. Dion Charles actually is five foot eight and a half. Oh right, well there you go. I must uh, have been in a hole when I interviewed him then because I, I <laughs> in that I'm shrinking. I'm sure I was five <laughs> nine last time I checked. Well, uh, hopefully, Mark. By the time you get to Derby and the lovely press box, you won't uh, you won't be a four foot. You'll be able to actually see the game, as you uh, quite clearly are oh, shrinking. I will be weighed down by the the weight of the Stilton and grapes that they give you at half time. That's how oh, I love working at Derby. Anyway, carry on. You were talking about <laughs> Kieran Lee. Yes, Kieran Lee. 
Another top performance on Saturday. Got his goal. Um, but uh, we've seen a bit of a nastier side to Kieran Lee. Do you know what? When I read this, uh, I, you know, this story that you did, I did think of the Barnsley game. I know he's captain, so he was captain on that day, I think. But, uh, you know, I think he's um, he was trying to get their lad sent, you know, going to the referee and pointing out he's the last man. And, uh, yeah, I have noticed a bit more of a, a, a nastier side to Kieran Lee. I think it's this kind of temporary captaincy thing that he's, he's had going on. I think he's had to take on a little bit more and more responsibility. There's a lot of young players around him, but I agree. I think he's got this kind of urgency in his game a little bit more. I think the odd shirt pull here and there, the odd foul here and there. I've, I looked down his stats and it's not kind of noticeable, but I think it's anybody that's watching him play rather than it being statistically based and he's made X number of fouls. I think just looking at him and the way he's conducted himself, he's definitely having more of an influence on the physical side. But I, I mean, he just, he's just so important to the, the way that Bolton play. And there's, there's lots of credit that goes to Aaron Morley and to, uh, to Kyle Dempsey at the moment, because they are very different players. Kieran Lee just seems to have the best of everything, if you know what I mean. He, he does have a lot of... He just seems to coast round doing everything very well. And, you know, if if we had a, a, a magic lamp, one of my wishes would probably go on making him about 10 years younger because Bolton have a multi-million pound uh, player on their hands. Uh, and it always amuses me that every time we put out a story about Kieran Lee, half the readership is from Sheffield because... Uh, they they still worship him there. They still regret the day that he was released as well. So he he and now of course he's playing in the same division as them as well. Um, at thirty four, he's still one of, if not Bolton's best player. And uh, you know on his on his day, which Portsmouth was one of his best performances for ages. He's just just great to watch, isn't he? He is, yeah. Um, and if you've got one wish from your magic lamp to be that Kieran Lee was ten years younger. I'm sure another wish would be for Bolton's pitch to be sorted out. Uh, although you don't have to wait too long. Apparently, uh, he's going to have a major overhaul in the summer. Yeah, I think Chris Sim would probably have all three of his wishes on there to that, and the training ground as well. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's just happened so quickly. It's all happened. It's like the perfect storm of circumstances. Um, I think given their time again, they would have probably bumped the... Uh, the Rugby World Cup, I'm not too sure whether or not that really did them a lot of favours, whether or not things like concerts and, and all that kind of stuff have really done them a lot of favours. I don't think so. Um, and it looks like Pink, I mean, I mean, if if we carry on in this mould, what is the surface going to be like by the time Pink turn up? It's going to be like Glastonbury. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's going to be madness. Um, well, I, I don't know the madness and maybe supportive, but um, <laughs> the, uh, the the pitch is is in poor condition at the moment. Um, we've seen a couple of photos overnight, actually. One of the, the Twitter uh, regulars has uh, posted some pictures of a strange yellow glow coming from the, the gates, and they've invested in a few more of these uh, these big lights that help promote grass growth, um, which as is, is, I'm just glad they're tied into a monthly payment on their electric bill, by the way, because otherwise it would be astronomical. That's where all the depot money would be going. It'd be just on those lamps, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure once the weather improves, 
and looking outside at snow in Lee, which it rarely snows in Lee. It's too scared to snow in Lee. Uh, it, it doesn't look like the weather's going to improve any at the moment. So I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be hard for for a couple of weeks yet. But I'm hoping when the weather improves that by the by the end of the season we won't be talking about this quite as much. But they do need to obviously. It's the underlying factor. It's the actual system itself. We explained this last week. I don't want to explain uh, grassroots um, much much more than I really really have to. Um, so yes, it's a, it's an absolute rehaul that they've confirmed after that pink concert. So happy days. It'll be like a snooker table again next season. It is, and some people have said that uh, watching grass grow is more entertaining than this podcast. So we better move on. Not fair play. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, this story we we mentioned it last week. We can't obviously go too much into it because it's a, an ongoing court case. But Kyle Dempsey, uh, we've read what is was uh, is happening uh, in his private life. Um, so he's been encouraged to concentrate on his work life, and uh, I thought he played he played well. He's, he's had a good run of games, hasn't he? he? Played well, but I thought all things considered, he played very well on Saturday. Yeah, I think this is the longest run of first-team starts he's had in the league so far for Bolton. And it has been a difficult year for him. Obviously, there's been lots of factors in that, some of which we won't go into. Uh, we'll let the, the legal process do what it does. Uh, I put the question to Ian Everts on uh, Saturday evening to say, uh, what, as a club, is your situation on it? Because obviously he's got other things to think about. Are you confident that he'll be able to keep his mind on the football? And Ian Everett said yes. He says we're going to look to support him as much as we can do. We can't do anything about what happens when he has this court case, which is going to come up in uh, early February. That's beyond their control. What will be, will be. But whilst he's uh, playing for the club and whilst he's in control of the club, he obviously has to be professional, and he's been that as well. He's been in good form, he's shown good attitude, and long may that continue. I mean, it's pointless speculating on what may or may not happen because it'll just get us in a load and load of trouble. Um, right at this minute in time, he's showing the right attitude on the pitch. Um, and I, I do hope, having kind of got to know him a little bit whilst uh, whilst he's been at Bolton, I do hope that is the sign of, of things to come for him, that he can push on and be uh, the player we, we thought he was going to be. Yeah, he's showed glimpses, hasn't he, of, yeah. of what we'd uh, what we kind of seen at Gillingham, but we've been promised. And um, I, I think at the moment, that midfield three of, of Lee, Dempsey and Morley have cemented that, uh, which has seen, you know, MJ on the bench and... Um, and I, I think, yeah, I think they've played very well and Dempsey's been a part of that. They, they rotate themselves very well in, in sort of where they, where they are on the pitch. Um, Morley's passing has been praised and has been great. Lee's just does what Kieran Lee does. And I like how Dempsey manages. But Dempsey's an incredible talent uh, and an incredible knack of finding about 20 yards of space in that midfield, you know, the amount of times he picks the ball up and he's running into space and you think, how has he managed to find that space? Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so he's, he's definitely someone we're better for having. Um, right. The next headline is come from another podcast, Mark. There are other podcasts available. Right? Uh, believe it or not. Yeah. Believe it or not. The BBC have, have got one, which, uh, you know, yeah. Um, but Ian Everett's been on it, uh, this week, uh, talking to that bloke who pops up on the ITV highlights every now and again. And um, he's been praising Sharon Britton and saying that she's the best owner in football. And I don't think many Bolton fans would disagree with him on that. No, I think 
uh, you can see there's a lot of respect there. You can see that he appreciates the support that she's given him. Uh, because I think early in his Bolton career, I think there was a, a, a time where grizzled hacks like myself looked at it and thought... I don't really fancy your chances here, mate, to be honest. I can remember a game uh, defeat against Oldham Athletic at home where I think we asked him a few questions afterwards that really were difficult uh, to, to, to answer at the time about the, the, the amount of support and whether or not he was up to the job. Um, and obviously he's answered all those questions and some and he's moved on and the progress since then has been uh, well documented and, and I think a lot of that was down to the decision that they made at, at board level to, to stick with him and to, to back him because what happened after that, of course, we, we know what happened with the recruitment side of things. That all changed. He got it more to his own liking. Now it's it's his club. It's it's the way that he's he's running it. And um, you don't get that very often, do you? Let's let's face it. We Every week we seem to see a different manager go and a different... You know, another one coming in and, and the, the kind of the merry-go-round. Merry you see what's happened at Everton and the problems they've got there. There's, there's all sorts of United and, and all sorts of uh, horror stories. At Bolton, it is calm. And that doesn't mean that they don't have challenges and it doesn't mean that there, there are not uh, questions to be asked in the governance of the club and all that kind of stuff, because there are. But... The, the fact that they seem to be dealing with it in a professional and kind of measured way, that we're not having the the spikes of old. Um, even, I mean, we're not even just talking about Hugh Sharp be mentioned, but even before that, of course, we'd had a decade or so of that happening um, yeah. with endless kind of rumour and counter-rumours about, about the way the club was running and where money was coming from and how money was being recycled and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's nice just to feel that it's been done in a in a reasonable way, and that you've got a, a you know a, a reasonable hold on your own club, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, it, yeah, you you know, wake as a Bolton fan, waking up every morning and dreading dreading headlines from you that uh, you know the club were in trouble again, and uh, it is nice to to be in this time where. I think, and we've got used to it being calm. It's now a rarity that there is a, and I think that's why people get so like with, you know, we've seen it with certain players leaving, like Dennis Politic, for example. You know, the fan base up in arms, and all of these these uh, minor things, if you consider and compare them to what we were used to. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, Sharon Britton is a. I think we're lucky to have a. There's obviously discussions about the further we go up the ladder. You know, would we need something else? But I think she is exactly what Bolton needed at that time. She's exactly what we need now, and I think uh, her main achievement of getting the fan base on side, but also the community on side. Because again, we've got to remember that a lot of businesses, a lot of local businesses, fell out of love with the club because they messed them around, and she's managed to get everyone back on side and. Uh, and it's great. So, uh, so yeah, she is um, a very, very good owner, and uh, I think we're lucky to have her. And I think, you know, it's easy to say now because we're doing well, but I think we're lucky to have Ian Everett as well. I think he's someone who was, is, um, he's someone who we needed at that time, and he'd gone through the rough part, and he's he's come out the other end. And you know, I, I, I think if you'd have offered any Bolton fan fifth place in League One 
uh, in January 2023 when he first came in. I think we all would have took that. Mm, yeah, it's interesting. I'm just uh, having a quick check on Dennis Politic there as well, actually. Obviously, went back on loan from Cremonese this season to Port Vale. Scored a few goals. I think he's, he's scored six in total, actually. Three of them all coming in one game in the Football League trophy. Um, but he's only started two games in the league for Port Vale. Still an impact sub, wow. even, even now. <laughs> even now, bless him. Well, yeah. we've still got to play him yet, haven't we? Haven't we? So uh, I, I look, I look forward to the time where he comes. It, it will be at, uh, it will be at the Uniball, though. To be fair, uh, so it'll be a different kettle of fish than it would have been at Vale Park. But um, yes, still, still got that headline up my sleeve. Um, yes. So, have we got any more headlines, Henry? Uh, yeah, just the one. It's a, a very headline-heavy show this week. Um, but uh, the, this is something that, not to necessarily to do with Bolton, but it's the EFL and it, it will impact as if it happened. Talks of a countdown clock uh, to to kind of take the time-wasting out of it. I think, was it Burton where the ball was in play for 49 minutes or something yeah. ridiculous? Um, what do you think of this? Would it for, Not only for Bolton, but as football as a whole, do you think this would be a good thing? I think you've got to do something. You, I mean... I'm getting bored of writing about the kind of the time wasting the shenanigans that go on. It's going to require strong referees, though. It's going to require a certain degree of um, uh, organisation as well for for it to work properly. I don't I don't really look forward to what happened in the World Cup where you, you were getting 10, 15 minutes of extra time. That felt a little bit mm. overkill. Uh, but it would be interesting to see if if the whole stadium were to see that clock to see how in real time how much time was left. Maybe that would hurry things on a little bit. Do you think? Yeah, maybe. I think what you're opening yourself up for then is uh, say everyone gets I don't know a minute from the whistle or thirty seconds from the whistle to to take a free kick or take a throw in. I think teams would then you. It, it could become ridiculous and players will just look at the clock and wait to the 29th second and then throw it in. You know, like, yeah. So I think even though that does, it happens now, I think if you highlight it in, in that way, I think it would, uh, players would just be ridiculous with it. But, um, you know, it, it is a problem. And, you know, I know it's if Bolton got promoted and we're suddenly in the championship and we're up against it most weeks, then you'll probably find that we'll be doing it. Oh, next yeah. year, 100%, but yeah. um, it is just that we are uh, at the top of the league that it gets it gets noticed so much. But you know, I think to be honest, with these real changes from the EFL, I, I take them with a pinch of salt. How many times over the years have we heard, "Oh, there's going to be less time wasting"? It happens for a few weeks, and then they start again. You know, goalkeepers have got to clear it within six seconds. I'm sure every you know, I, it's actually rare now that a goalkeeper will kick the ball or throw it out uh, before six seconds yeah. so uh, yeah I take these stuff with a pinch of salt to be honest I, I don't know that they have time wasting in other sports I, I don't hear I mean, I, I suppose cricket I'm aware of it I'm not, I don't follow cricket that much I mean I was thinking more about NBA basketball because obviously you see the countdown clock there mm. um, and I can't think of because they have shot clocks, don't they? They have a certain amount of time that they, they have to complete the play in anyway. So it's all kind of micromanaged in NBA. Um, I'm not suggesting that would be the case in... Uh, Bolton would have no chance if you only had if you only had a minute yeah. to get from one end of the pitch to the other. That would be impossible. You'd never cram 58 passes into that. Uh, but 
I, I just wonder whether or not it is just something that there's a loophole in 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 football or whether that is an issue in other sports please do get in touch on the usual address if you have a view on that one but uh, right well that's interesting I, I'm, I'm all for it I don't like time wasting it annoys me uh, but I am well aware that Bolton once employed Jussi Askelainen who in in total I think wasted the equivalent of about eight full games um, mm. by messing around with goal kicks and diving on the ball, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He was a master at it, an absolute master, as well as being the best goalkeeper I've ever seen. Um, right, I think it's time for a quick email. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. We are going to have to... Cut, cut the emails for the second week running and we'll have to just push on a couple of them that we were going to be running don't worry we will get round to you i've got a stack of emails now i'm starting to think i'm going to have to do a some sort of email special to get rid of everything because people have sent in loads of really good ones but there is one i got this week uh, from chris um which made me think what a good what a what a good question and b it might just give us a chance to um put together one of our famous lists anyway he says uh, with the january transfer winner in full swing and the rumor mill churning away rumor mills churning i like the idea of that mm. uh, it got me thinking who's ian everts best signing to date there's a few who could stake a strong claim owen doyle for example his goals were arguably the main factor in getting us promoted and since leaving he's uh, provided another gem in owen toll Mm. Ricardo Santos, the captain, had a shaky start to Wanderer's life but soon found his feet and proved he could make the step up. Dapo, while he may be at the end of his Bolton journey, he, he certainly is, um, he has provided us with some magical moments that will be sorely missed. But for me, the crown goes to Kieran Lee, says Chris. It was a shock when we managed to tempt him to League Two, given his pedigree and adulation for the Wednesday fans. Surely there was something wrong. But he showed his class in League Two, and dare I say it, stepped up a notch since promotion. Everett has managed him correctly, rested him for certain games, but keeping him fresh for those uh, more important ones. Um, I really hope he gets another contract, says Chris. I would love to hear your thoughts. So, uh, he's picking out he's picking out Kieran Lee. Um, I've asked you to, to come up with a, a top five. So, mm. let's hear it, and I want a, a reason for each... Uh, okay, so in my five, I'm going to go for... I'll tell you what, I think it's easier if I go one to five rather than do the count. But um, number one, I, I would agree, Kieran Lee, he's exceeded expectations. I think if you would have told Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield Wednesday fans that he'd be... I don't know how many games he's played for us, but it's over 50, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if you'd have said he'd be approaching 100 games for Bolton, they would have thought, thought twice about letting him go. Uh, but he's a, a Rolls Royce of a player. I, Kieran Lee for me doesn't have bad games. He, he may be quiet in a few games, but nine times out of ten, he's a solid, you know, high six, seven a week average player, uh, and I think we're lucky to have him. Um, number two, I'm going to go James Trafford because I think uh, he came in at a time where we'd had a few goalkeepers and we needed to shore up that position, and he's definitely done that. And we're going to have to address that in the summer. But uh, he's a top, top player. He'll have a great career. And uh, it's been a pleasure watching him in a Bolton shirt. Number three, I'm going to go for Santos. And I know, I know a few of the fan base will roll their eyes at that. We'll but get I think, emails. Yeah, but I think 
you know, he's a, a solid defender. And I think let's you look at the facts. He won player of the year in the first year. He, he was run up to player of the year last year. Um, you know, I, I think in that League Two season, and I think for me, in the terms of, I know some people throw no toll into it, but I think I'm going off best signings and what they've done for Bolton. I think Toll's had a great start, but he's only played 12 games, mm. whereas I'm going more on what they have done for Bolton. So I'm going to go Santos at three. Number four, I'm going to go for Geffen Jones, because again, he, he's. I, I didn't really expect much from Geffen Jones with respect to him, and I think he's done very well. He's he's been consistent. I know he's been injured recently, but um, he's been consistent. You know the stuff he does it for the club as well. The way the club helped him, um, you know, when his mum passed away, I think he's become a real uh, a real well liked player at the club, and and I think he's been very good overall. Um, you know, he's he's. He has his moments, but I think uh, overall he's been very good. And then at number five, I was str- I was going to go between Charles Dapo or Doyle. Um, Dapo's now left, but I think any 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 player who played for us, especially in the second half of the season, League Two, I've got a, a, a fondness for. Um, so Dapo could have made it, and we have made a profit on him, so that goes in his favour as well. Dion, I think he's a he's a goal scorer. Is what we need at this level. And to be fair, he has scored uh, approaching twenty goals for us now. But I just think again, it was so important for us to get out of League Two, and Doyle's goals did that for us. So I'm going to put Doyle at five. Very interesting. Well, I've done the the worst thing is our top two are exactly the same. So Kieran Lee was my number one. James Trafford was my number two. Um, and I can't really add anything to, to what you and most of Twitter said last night about the two of them. Number three, I've gone with George Johnson because mm-hmm. I think for getting him on a free transfer, last season, clubs play, a young player of the year, there were, and he played most games, you, you, you know, consistently well. I think he was, he had his moments where. He was he was playing catch up a little bit and, and areas of his game that clearly needed to improve. They have been improved this season. He has gone on and stepped on again. For me, as things stand, he is the biggest asset Bolton have got. And if they were to turn around and sell every member of their first team squad at the moment, I would be surprised if they got more for anybody than George Johnson. That's how much A, I rate him and B, I, how big I think he's going to be. I think if he carries on like this, he's going to be a very, very good player for Bolton Wanderers. And uh, really excited to see how he does. He's number three for me. Number four, I'm going to say Connor Bradley because mm. Connor, I know he's not Bolton's player. It's a bit of a cheat putting lone players in. But when Marlon Fossey, well, I mean, first of all, when, when Gethin Jones got injured and they had to bring in Fossey, uh, it was it was a bit of a change, and Fossey did so well for that short spell last January onwards for for a couple of months that it seemed inconceivable that anybody else would be able to uh, usurp him. But one of the best transfer decisions they've made, I think, is to not bring Fossey back and to bring in Bradley because he's been a breath of fresh air, absolutely. And I think he's, he's had a couple of weeks, the last couple of weeks, where he's looked a little bit tired. And that's really the first time he's he's been anything other than outstanding. 
hopefully that will get refreshed because it, I mean you're asking a lot in the first season of a young player to to play every single week. So uh, I hope that's you know people bear that in mind. Um, there may be a time where Jones nips back in or the Isgrove or, or whoever it might be. Um, but I think that that decision is proven to be a really really good one. And I think the other one that I would put in my five, just to be slightly different to you, would be Owen Doyle. Uh, because Doyle, without those goals, Bolton get nowhere near promotion. Mm. Nowhere near promotion. They needed it. It was you, you could argue they kept him too long, I think. If they'd have sold him on that first summer, moved him on, last season is a different story for me. I think with a lot of hindsight, that step up to League One may be a bridge too far. I don't know whether or not the, the offer from uh, to go back home was was there, but he wanted to go back home. I think he, he loves... That's his life over there. And I think he, he'd already started to look elsewhere um, in, in the first six months that he was at the club, along with Sarsavik. Both players were looking elsewhere. But he carried on, unlike the other player, um, he carried on scoring and delivering and delivering. Top bloke did as much for that promotion as anybody else. Um, Honourable mention for Matt Jilks as well. Not quite a sign-in, I suppose. More a, a, a member of the coaching staff, but bringing him in when he did in that promotion season was a complete game-changer for Bolton. Um, and also, he has that knock-on effect because he's now working with James Trafford and bringing the best out of James Trafford as well. So mm. I think you've got kind of a double excuse to put uh, to put Jilksy in there as well, um, and also Chris Markham. I mean that yeah, you know, not not a signing, but without Chris Markham, the the vista of Bolton's transfer activity for the last couple of seasons looks very very different indeed. And God knows, I mean we we we'll never know how much it would have it would have changed, but it certainly feels a lot better, doesn't it? That uh, the whole department, recruitment department, the you know the analysts, the the scouts, the the data crunchers, the number crunchers, they they all do a fantastic job, um, and they're coming up with good results. So hey, we're in January now. Let's see what they can do this time around. Yeah, and I've got to say, like, and it shows a testament actually to the amount of different answers that we had when you put that on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a credit to Chris Mark. So Chris Markham should be in the top five because it's a credit to him uh, and Ian Everett, but for you know for these signings. But each one of your names, yeah, I could have put them in mind. Jilks as well, Bradley, you know, Johnston. MJ was another one that got mentioned a lot last night. MJ, yeah. yeah. A top ten would have been a lot easier, but yeah. Yeah, five, the show would have been uh, a lot longer. I'd have done more, I'd have done more editing. No, it's just not really <laughs> worth it. <laughs> Uh, and I think we would have actually come up with the same names as well with a 10. So, uh, no, good signings. And, uh, I mean, we're only two and a half years into it. So, uh, who knows what's to come. Let's have some predictions. Pass us me crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Prediction time. It's that time of the week where we look ahead to the weekend and remember there's actually another game uh, it's not just an endless procession of headlines and news stories to discuss we actually have to uh, play football and then report on that as well uh, Derby County this weekend going back to Pride Park a, a place that has been historically in fact Bolton have never won at Pride Park 
not not no. once. Um, they've they've not won at uh, Derby since uh, September nineteen eighty one. Stab in the dark, Henry. Here we go. Right, so I'll I'll let you. Here's a little quiz for you. A, a bonus quiz. Um, there are one, two, three, four. There's six grounds. Sorry, there's seven grounds. Seven grounds. The top seven grounds where Bolton have not... Uh, the, the most number of games that Bolton have not won at in the league. So I've given you one derby. That's 14 games they haven't won in the league there. Oh. Uh, jinx grounds, are there? Jinx grounds. Okay. I think... Or jinx clubs. Yeah. I, I think uh, one of them will possibly be uh, Manchester United because I know we won at the start of the Premier League year, but then we played we must have played another eight nine maybe ten games after that and didn't nine win nine games the last win September 2002 they are indeed one two three four. they're seventh in my list there are six or five including Derby um, that Bolton have actually waited longer this is for a league win by the way this is not a cup win oof this is tough because we've been in and out of that many leagues. Mm. Um, Coventry? Um, crikey. Uh, no, definitely not Coventry. Cause I, I've covered a Coventry win. Uh, three games since they uh, beat Coventry. Uh, Coventry. All right. Um, oh, let's, let, right, let's have a proper thing. Uh, Arsenal. Arsenal is in there. 17 games. January 1962 was the last time they beat Arsenal at Highbury. Uh, right, so we're on about a league win. Yes. Anfield? Anfield is top of the shop. 17 games, uh, January 1954. Right, who else have we got? Uh, we've beaten... Well, I mean, Chelsea as well. We only beat them at the start of the Premier League. So will Chelsea be in there? Chelsea are just below. They've got eight games. Okay, uh, let's see. Who else could be? I mean, Man City, before they got the money, we used to beat them every season, so I don't think they'll be on it. City are well down, yeah, five games. Um, Tottenham, we um, we won a few times in the Big Sam era, so I don't think Tottenham would be in there. Seven games, Tottenham, you're right. Mm. I'll tell you what, I'll, 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 I'll go through. Top of the league, Liverpool 17. Um Actually, it's all joint 17. I'm, I'm lying about Liverpool being top of the league, but they are the longest stretch, at least. So Rotherham are next. August 1966, last time Bolton beat Rotherham in the league. Wow. Uh, Arsenal, uh, 17 games, January 1962. Fulham, 16 mm. games, November 1992. Yeah. Derby County, as I've mentioned, 14 games, September 81. Blackpool, 11 games, December 1977. Frankie Worthington scored the last time Bolton beat Blackpool in the league there. Wow. Um, and there's some really... I, uh, yesterday, I went through all 91 clubs. And, uh, and I can tell you that there are... And this is another another little bit of a quiz, but I'll just, just list them off. There are actually six teams uh, where the, Bolton have never won an away game. They've played, but never won. So they've never played against Sutton United, so that's off the table anyway. Wickham Wanderers, Walsall, Rochdale, Colchester, Burton and Barrow, they've played, but never won a league game at their ground. Wow, well, there's Wickham and Burton we've still got to play this season. They can get, get rid of two for me. And here we go. 
<laughs> I mean, this is another inconsequential, but I did put it out yesterday, so I'm going to read them off so that people can listen. Um, there are 24 or 25, potentially 24, 25 uh, grounds at which they won their last away game. So literally the, the, the run stands at zero. So Accrington Stanley, obviously, the last time they played there, they won the game. They also won the last one at... Barnsley, Birmingham, Bristol Rovers, Charlton, Crawley, Crewe, Doncaster, Everton, Fleetwood, Gillingham, Harrogate, Hartlepool, Mansfield, MK Dons, Northampton Town, Oxford United, QPR, Reading, Salford City, Southampton, Stevenage, Swindon, West Brom and West Ham United. Wow, In, yeah, they're league games, aren't they? Yeah. League games, so, league games, yeah. Hmm, OK, well, hopefully we can add some more teams to that list. Yeah, well, I'd like to break the derby jinx, I have to say, this weekend. Do you think there's any chance? I think there's a chance. I think it'd be a massive result if we can get some, because derby are the farm team in the league. I yeah. think if we got uh, a win there, that would be a huge statement. But for me, I, I'm probably swaying towards a draw. I think both teams both teams are comfy in the playoffs at the moment. Um, derby will obviously want to go and win. It's a, it'll be a massive win for them. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it ends up similar to what the, the game last month uh, ended 0-0 uh, yeah I think both teams comfy they take a point and just move on I think it was a tight one wasn't it at, at the mm. uni ball I felt a little bit like Bolton should have won that game it, it, it kind of felt like the, the, some familiar problems were cropping up there really uh, they seem to have graduated past that a little bit they're playing better football Derby seem to have improved as well they, they're on better run of form they've added a a new player as well this week that should give them a bit more sort of attack and potency. I think it's going to be a, a very, very tight game. I probably, I will lean into a draw. I'd, I'd like to see Bolton do it. I mean, what a statement. Of all the statements they have made, to go and beat Derby at Derby would be one of the biggest they could. They'd move into fourth as a result if they got um, a win. Um, but I would be happy with a draw. The The positive person inside me uh, would say now is the time now is the time to really flex your muscles uh, this exciting signing signed you know minutes from the deadline on friday lunchtime early in the week uh just uh, popping up and, and scoring a scoring a winner how about that <laughs> oh that would be uh, amazing i'd take a winner off any of them to be honest uh, a, a trapped long kick would suit me but yeah that would be good yeah, Randall Williams' long throw flicked on by Big uh, Big Dan and Lundaloo. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Any old win will do for Bolton, but uh, I mean, it would draw. We'd, we'd probably take a draw. But uh, right, well, I think that's all we have time for. An absolutely chocker. I mean, we we had no time for any anything at all. We've had to bump all sorts of stuff out of the uh, running order. That's that's how much news we had to talk about this week. Yes, uh, and the, the emails, um, you've teased me with kind of headlines for the emails we've got because you, you, unless it involves me coming up with some stuff like a list, you don't tell me the emails before they come in. Uh, and there's some interesting headlines, so I'm looking forward to covering them. Maybe maybe that month off we've got, potentially in March, we can just do email specials then. <laughs> We're going to have to come up with something. Uh, yeah, it's a very, very strange running they've got. They've got three games in March and eight in April, potentially. So <laughs> a very, very odd, lopsided end to the season. And also, I'm going to be away at uh, some stage because it's... Uh, I've been up into Gran Canaria as well, so no. Uh, but there we go. Uh, right, OK. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in again. 
as you do, you tuned in, I will note, in record numbers last week. I was uh, amazed by the amount of people that were listening to this podcast last week. Please, tell your friends. Get more people involved, because uh, the, the more the merrier. Please, um, we'll keep on plowing away. We'll see you again next Friday. Um, but until then, I've been Mark woefully underprepared for this podcast, Isles. And I've been Henry, just going with the flow, Hewitt. This has been The Buff. <laughs>